1: He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
2: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Don't mistake what I'm going to say to you today as Fantasia. It's not. This is where the rubber hits the road. It is not an easy road. It can be most difficult and most discouraging. And it can be extremely painful. But it's necessary that we walk this road if we're going to grow up and give up the world's positive thinking and fantasy. God is real. He does real things in real time and space and history. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. A man is sick. Lazarus. He has a a raging fever. He's from the village of Mary and Martha. This Mary was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his, his feet with her hair. So the two sisters, in desperation, saw their brother approaching death. They sent word to Jesus. The message was very simple. Lord, the one you love is sick it was their expectation that Jesus would quickly make his way out of Galilee into Judea. The question, would he make it in time? Or would Lazarus die? When Jesus was given this message, he simply said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you is this story gives us an awesome opportunity to look into the heavens and to see how Jesus thinks and how he operates and how we natural human beings think and operate. And frankly, it is totally different. We have our expectations of what we think God should do for us. God is playing by a totally different playbook. His first concern is not what we expect of him, it is what his plan is to accomplish in this world. There are issues at stake that Jesus knows of that are far beyond our imagination. he said to his disciples. Okay, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you and you're going to go back there? John the 11th chapter. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. You understand what he's saying. We wait on God until it becomes unreasonable from our perspective to wait any longer on God. Now you'll understand more what I'm saying to you after you've listened to this broadcast, so please listen to the entirety of the broadcast the most painful part of my walk in the school of the Holy Spirit has been learning how. No, I probably shouldn't say learning how. It has been white-knuckling, waiting on God with the belief that he is going to do something if I will simply wait upon him. But I want to do what I know I can do to make things work out to my advantage. But God is not interested in things working out to my advantage. He's interested in things working out to the advantage of the kingdom of God. He's building his kingdom on this earth. I want my kingdom to be satisfied. He wants his kingdom to be satisfied but he is God. I'm not. Now, after he had said this, this is the gospel of of John, chapter 11, verse 11. He said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps... In other words, if his fever has broken, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly Lazarus is dead. Now, for we human beings, death is the end. It's over. Hold your funeral. Say goodbye. It's over. And I dare say that some of you today listening to this broadcast have come to the conclusion that you're going to have to do something other than wait on God. That basically it's over for you. You want to quit. You're done. I understand. I've been there so many times. I won't go there again. He said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. Now, Jesus is now ready to take his disciples to a, a brand new level. Of understanding about who he is, that he is not contained by death. He is above death. He controls life and death. They reside in his hands. Success and failure are not by chance, they rest in the hands of God. Your life is in God's hands. Death is not the end. Death is the beginning of an eternal life. Lazarus is dead. I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, All right, let's also go so that we may die with him. Talk about down in the mouth, unbelief. Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd just been here, Jesus, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Your brother will rise again. I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And all she could do was make a profession of faith. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. I want to take you to a psalm. Psalm 27. This is an excruciatingly painful psalm for me. It is literally a command from God to wait upon the Lord. It opens, Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, that is, to slander me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Those are the words of either a very mature man of God or their fantasia, their make-believe, their religion, but they're not real. I began in January 1 of 1991 waiting on the Lord. I have notes year by year by year Year by year, I made notes on what I believed I needed God to do for me in that year. 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, January 1 of each of those years. Finally, in 1997, I wrote, how long, oh my God. 1999, I wrote, Do not hide your face, O Jesus, my Savior. 2000, Come, Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit of the living God. Every year, writing a message. 2006, was an exceptionally hard year for me. I wrote I know you have not forsaken your servant two thousand seven I finally begin to understand what God is trying to do in my heart. And I write Sanctify me entirely. My Lord By your blood, sanctify me. Make me holy. In 2008, a year later, I wrote, you have entirely sanctified my heart. Thank you, Jesus, my Lord. In 2009, my wife has cancer. And she is desperately ill. I am watching as day by day she loses weight. Going from 130 pounds down to about 94 pounds. And I wrote 2009, my heart says, wait on the Lord and seek only his face January 1 of 2010 I wrote Jan is dying I will wait for the lord he will come for he will come with healing for jan hmm. on May 10 At nine o five AM, Jan took her last breath and she was gone. January, two thousand eleven. I wrote, I am not strong. My heart is utterly broken. But I will wait on the Lord. January 1, 2012, the Lord said, Be patient, Ray. Be patient. This waiting upon the Lord is not easy stuff. And while we wait on the Lord, Our loved ones, like Lazarus, like Jan, can pass into eternity. Or while we wait, we grow old. I'm now 77 years old. I'm still waiting on the Lord. I started actively waiting upon the Lord in January of 1991. A few years. The Lord has has spoken to me many times in those intervening years with with very specific words necessary to help me continue to wait upon him. And my heart has been poured out for him in love, in adoration. But I also have at times grown very impatient I was impatient for a wife. I was tired of walking alone. I was lonely. I reached out my hand and took what I thought I wanted. It was a catastrophic loss. You've played this game, whack-a-mole. God sometimes will play whack-a-mole with me when I begin to stick my head up and say, this is what I need, God, and you're not giving it to me, so I'm just going to reach out and take what I need. Whack. And I'm back down. It wasn't easy for for Mary, for Martha. It wasn't easy for Lazarus. They all thought Jesus would come and and heal him with a word. They'd seen him heal many times. But Jesus is not here to meet our expectations. He is holy. He is righteous. Now the question is, am I in line with the will of God? Or does the lust of my heart for success, the desire to not lose, the loneliness of a man's heart, do these things rule in our lives? Or does Jesus rule in our hearts and our lives? Well, I only live this life once. Pastor, I have to reach out and grab what I want. God helps those who help themselves, right? No, wrong. God doesn't help those who help themselves. Isaiah 50. One thing I ask of the Lord. Psalm 27, verse four. four. One thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I have found that when I lose sight of this one thing, I become impatient with God and I want what I want. But the only hope I have for tomorrow is Jesus and the word He has spoken in promise to me with Rama words of encouragement. And so when I go to the prayer closet, I am asking the Lord, what is your will? What do you want in this situation? I no longer tell the Lord what I want. I want to know what he wants. And then I'm going to come in agreement with what he wants. Does he want me to die? Okay. Does he want me to lose financially everything? Okay. Does he want me to be homeless? Okay, whatever you want, Jesus, that's what I want. I'm not going to fight against what is happening in my life. I know it is given by your hand. Nothing can come into my life except by the hand of Jesus. I belong to him, lock, stock, and barrel. I am given over to Jesus utterly and completely, and so I will pray. Verse 5, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to my Lord. Even when your wife is dying? Is that okay? Yes. Even when you, when you see what needs to be done, should you go ahead and just do what you think needs to be done? Or do you wait upon the Lord? Yesterday, a a storm swept through my soul. From a number of things that I heard from people, it became very apparent to me. And And from things that the Lord has spoken to me in the past, it became very clear to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ, with a standard of righteousness, needs to be lifted up in this nation We need a straight message of repent of your sin with a clear presentation of what that sin is and of what the law says about that sin. And we need a clear presentation about how to live wholly after we have come totally into the presence of Jesus and no longer live in the lust of our hearts Well, those are the two things that I know I've been called to, to preach, repent, and to be holy. That's what the Lord has called me to. And so I began to say in my heart, then that means I need to go to a national platform with radio where this message can be heard across America. I'm very concerned. I see America crashing and burning. There's been a great movement in America. Make America great again. And conservatives have begun to rise up. I'm very concerned about that because... I believe that the message of make America great again is going to crash and burn in such a manner that civil war will break out in America. I know there needs to be a message of startling clarity around the issue of repent and live holy. And revival. No, I don't mean the fantasia of the current apostate church believing in revival, which is more of a kundalini spirit, a Buddhist spirit of of laughter and joy and signs and wonders, without repentance and without holiness. I know the Lord would not be pleased with that in America. So I began to cry out to the Lord. Lord, do you want me to begin fundraising for national radio? I don't want to do it. I'm comfortable in my little space that he's given me. But does he want that? I couldn't simply, as I would have in the past, assumed, yes, that's what he wants, and begun a national campaign for fundraising for national radio. My wife and I prayed. Last night, the Lord came in the night, and she heard me laughing in the middle of I was asleep, and she heard me laughing. Well, I was laughing because the Lord had come and given me a very clear answer, and his answer was put in such a manner that it made me laugh. The clarity was absolutely there, but bottom line, I'm not going to give what he said to me. You wouldn't understand. I'd have to give a great deal of context but it was a very clear answer. No, wait upon the Lord. Okay. All right, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I laughed with joy. I'm not going to go out on my own where I think needs to happen, where I think ministry needs to move. The next great opportunity, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Verse 7. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. Now, what will block God from answering our prayers? The first And foremost reason that God delays the answer to our prayer is that in the midst of that prayer and that request, we have some very personal interest. And the answer to that is to disavow the personal interest and utterly cast ourselves upon Jesus. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord, Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Don't seek his hand. You don't want God to step in with his hand and and change things in the physical realm to accommodate your personal interest. No, we're here for his interest, for his kingdom. And so... I seek his face. I seek the face of God, not his hand. Your face, O Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. If you want God to answer your prayer, seek his face and ask him not to hide his face from you. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Why would he turn you away in anger? Because you were asking for something for yourself with your own personal agenda and your own personal lifestyle. And he's saying, don't come to me and ask about your personal life and lifestyle. Come and ask me about my kingdom. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Sometimes in the silence, I have felt as though God had utterly rejected me. I have felt as though God had utterly forsaken me, and there was just silence. And I have learned that during those very painful times, Don't make any decisions. A very wise person said to me one time, don't make any decisions at night after 10 o'clock. Make them in the morning after you've been in his presence. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. We want God to bless what we want. And there's a great deal of personal stuff involved in the decision that we're asking him for. In every area of my heart and my life, I have now learned not to ask God For me. But through me for his kingdom. Because his interest is the building of his kingdom. My interest is the building of his kingdom. Because I belong to him. He is my Lord and my master. He is my savior. He is everything to me. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. For false witnesses arise up against me, breathing out violence. Now, these last two verses are the absolute key to having your prayers answered. Having hope for tomorrow. You see, the only way I can have hope for tomorrow is based on what God has done in me and for me in the past. And if I have adequately learned his ways and have steered away from selfish fantasy and am willing that he do anything necessary to accomplish his purposes on the face of the earth, especially in terms of my personal life, I want him to accomplish in my personal life what is necessary for the building of his kingdom. My interest is not in living, except as that will please him and bring honor to his name. I'm not interested in the car that I will drive or the house that I will live in. I have been homeless as I followed after Jesus Christ. I know what homelessness is. I know what it is to drive a new Mercedes and an old beater car, cowpile brown. It's the same to me. I want what will build His kingdom. If you want God to answer your prayer, align your prayer with the purpose that God has revealed to you of His kingdom. Now listen. I am still confident of this. I've gone through many years of waiting before God, I've gone through countless Chastisements and disappointments, but I can tell you clearly today I am utterly confident of this. Verse 13 I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm in the land of the living yet at 77. I'm going to see what he has promised me. He promised revival. He's promised a standard of righteousness would be lifted up in this nation, calling this nation to repent, calling this nation to live a holy life. I know I will see in my life the goodness of the Lord. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord, Mary and Martha, while Lazarus is dying and is now in a tomb. Wait for the Lord, Ray, as Jan dies in her cancer. Wait for the Lord, Ray, when the finances are all gone and everything looks like it's over. Wait for the Lord. Now that word wait, literally in the Hebrew means to bind together, that is to twist cords of twine, to twist them together, to collect them together, to hope. Well, what are the cords that we're binding? You and Jesus and all that you've seen he has done in the past for you. And you take courage you hope, you are bound together with Jesus, if this is just a positive thinking, humanistic deal, then you're not bound together with Jesus. The only person who has the courage to wait is when you are bound together with Jesus Christ as one, And you want what Jesus wants. When you want what Jesus wants, you have now given up your expectations. You have given up your desires. You are now happy with whatever Jesus wants to do in your life, with whomever he wishes to remove or to build up. You are now going to wait upon the Lord. You are going to be bound together. You are going to be twisted together as three cords cannot easily be broken. You, Jesus, and all the evidence you've seen in the past of his marvelous workings for you. And then it says, be strong. In the Hebrew, it means literally heads. Be alert, something's happening. Fortify your position. Harden your heart against discouragement. Be obstinate against the devil and the lies he will bring to pull you away from Jesus. But please, it's not very easy for the devil to get you away with Jesus when you're twisted together with him and with the experiences of the past where you have seen his deliverance now please I tell you what I have not had a salary for more than 30 years how do you live pastor Jesus Jesus moves to bring me what I need to live on. I don't live on what people donate for radio that goes to the radio. I don't draw a salary from radio. I don't draw a salary from the National Prayer Chapel. I trust in the Lord. When I need something, I ask Jesus for it. And he brings it. Or he doesn't. And either way is okay. Okay. Do you understand, when you finally are willing to say, I am twisted together, I am bound together with Jesus Christ, the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I have hope for tomorrow because I know Jesus will not leave me behind. I have sought his face and he has not turned me away in anger. I have sometimes said, Lord, have I done something to anger you? Have I said something that made you angry? Please forgive me. Or if this is just your waiting to see what I'll do, then, Lord, no, right now, I'm just going to wait on you. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to move. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. So please teach me your way, O oh Lord. Lead me in a straight path. I don't want to walk a crooked path, I want to walk a straight path. Now, some of you may say, oh, pastor, what you're describing is so hard. You know why it's hard? Because you still have your agenda for what you want. It becomes easy when you give up your agenda and simply go for what God wants. Where you get your eyes off of yourself If you were to call me and and say to me, Pastor Ray, how are you? My answer would be very simple. I'm doing great in Jesus. I'm dead. I'm buried. I'm now waiting on the Lord. And I'm watching what he wants to do. I wouldn't take 20 or 30 minutes to talk to you about my aches, my bones. No. No. It's about Jesus. It's about what Jesus is doing on this earth. And I'm standing by faith that he will open the way for revival in America because he needs to have one last clarion call before total destruction comes upon this land so don't worship at the Democrats or at the Republicans altar they're all just one bird with two wings don't put your hope In political fixes, they will disappoint you. Don't put your hope in elections. They will disappoint you. Put your hope in Jesus. He is doing something awesome in this land, and he is preparing for revival. So, my brother, my sister, let your heart be filled with hope today. You can make it through. Read Psalm 27. Meditate on it. Walk in it. One thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. I don't seek a new car, I don't seek lifestyle. I seek Jesus and His face. And many times I've not sought that. I've sought what I desired and what I wanted. And I've raised myself up and I've gone for what I wanted. And in the end, it was utterly disappointing to me and catastrophically destructive. I've learned the hard way to ask Jesus to teach me his ways And to lead me in a straight path, not a crooked path. The straight and narrow path takes you straight into the celestial city, according to Bunyan. It takes you to that river, the Jordan, that you must cross through. Lord, I come today pleading your mercy for every person listening who is asking you to answer them but you are causing them to wait upon you and it's a painful time of waiting and they are discouraged and they don't know what to do they don't know how to move forward lord give them the courage to stop moving forward and to simply wait for your direction Lord, I wait upon you for revival. I wait upon you, Jesus. You will move in the hearts of those you choose to move in. And you will bring about the circumstances necessary that this gospel message of repentance and holiness, of being made clean by your precious blood, this message will go forth in a clarion-ringing voice across America. I pray, Lord, you will do that now. Lord, I thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, And you can give online. You can also listen to many different messages that will encourage you in this journey toward heaven. This is real. It's not a make-believe journey. The school of the Holy Spirit is not an easy school to graduate from. I pray you will wait upon the Lord, that you will be patient and wait upon the Lord. There is hope for tomorrow. God bless you all. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Before the presence of His glory With great joy With great joy Set you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy.